Summer is finally mercifully here, Manitoba. If you want to promote your band or your team or your business with some fresh gear this season, check out our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Supporting local business is more important than ever in these tough times. So get a made in Manitoba solution to your screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl, and graphic design needs over at divineshirtcompany.ca or on Instagram at Divine Shirts. And tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm here with someone who is new to the show, but not uh, definitely not new to Manitoba's uh, music community. I think that you've been, uh, you know, a fairly well-known quantity, especially as far as country music goes, for quite a while now. So I think that before we get into any of that, the best way to start this off is if you'd like to introduce yourself and maybe just give a bit of background about where it is you come from musically. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Desiree Dorian. I uh, reside in Dauphin, Manitoba. I'm a member of the Opaskwak Cree Nation, and I have been uh, involved in the country music scene seen here in Manitoba uh, for, I don't know, I guess about 20 years or so. Um, working more heavily, though, in the last 12 years, I would say, for sure. Okay. And yeah. I, I guess the reason that this came about is because I saw you playing a show um, at Asinoan Park, and it was one of those days where it was just, like, absolutely, miserably death-hot. And I felt, bad for, I felt bad for everyone performing, because at least the people who were in attendance could, you know, go inside to the pavilion or whatever. But I think maybe that'd be a fun place to start here, is, is what do you do when you're faced with a situation like that? When you're playing a show, and just, like, the, the physical weather conditions are so bad that it's got to be hard to, to even get through the whole thing, right? Yeah, what was it that day, like 40-some degrees with the humidex? I think so, yeah, yeah, 44 or something yeah. ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, you wear as little clothing as possible. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it was definitely shorts weather that day. Uh, you know, just drink a ton of water, make sure that we, uh, you know, me and my band are consuming as much water as we possibly can. Sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. For sure, yeah. So you said, uh, you know, at the beginning that you're from you're from Dauphin. What is what is the music scene like out there? And the reason I ask that is because you know I've been doing this show for almost a decade now. I talk to so many different artists from Manitoba, but Winnipeg is always kind of the where the majority of, of artists come from. It's 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 you know the biggest city in the province, obviously. And as a Winnipegger it's easy to forget that there's stuff happening outside the city limits and that there's all these communities throughout the rest of Manitoba that, that have really cool music scenes and have all kinds of great artists doing really good work. But I mean, Dauphin is not somewhere that I'm intimately familiar with. So what, what is the, your experience be like being a musician out there? Well, I mean, we're home to Dauphin's Country Fest, right? Which of course, is the yeah. Lo longest running country music festival in Canada. And so that uh, for me was really where a lot of my dreams and a lot of my, um, you know, hopes as a young kid growing up as a, as a fan of country music were nurtured. Um, you know, my, my mom let me go to the festival every year. I'd seen everybody from Waylon Jennings to Reba McIntyre. Cool. And um, yeah, you know, it was a place that, and then in fact, when the festival wasn't on, I would sneak in 
park my bike in the ditch and um, jump up on stage. There'd always be fences, like snow fences and things yeah, that would yeah. be blocking anybody from accessing the main stage uh, or the main amphitheater area. But I would literally commit, uh, you know, a break and enter between the ages of eight and 11 years old hop onto the main stage and run around like a fool pretending that I was playing to an amphitheater full of people. And then I would head backstage and, uh, you know, pretend to hang my coat and pretend to put my boots away and, you know, put my lipstick on in the mirror and give myself a pep talk and then go back <laughs> out on stage to run around again one more time. And then I'd hop back on my bike and I'd bike home. Uh, that was of course before the days where, you know, you had to tell your parents exactly where you were and you could only be gone for a certain period of time. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I used to do the same thing at the velodrome in Winnipeg when that was here. We ride our bikes around the, the, the track for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that this is like predestined. You you were you were gonna become a country singer basically from from the get go, right? Well, it was something that I always, you know, envisioned and um, you know, if you would ask me that question when I was sixteen, seventeen, like I was gonna be you know, at that age, my answer would have been that I was gonna be like a Miranda Lambert or something. Okay. Okay. Um, or like a Gretchen Wilson, because she was really popular when I was back then when I was that age. Um you know, but I think as you get older, your dreams change and your goals change. And, and for me, uh, at, at this age, um, I'm just I'm just happy to be working in music, you know, that people are still phoning to say, hey, can we get you over here to do this this set at this time? And, um, you know, I think that I think that there's um, an incredible amount of. I don't want to use the word power because I think that's the wrong word, but autonomy and, and independence and in being able to sustain yourself doing what you're absolutely passionate about. And yeah. I've, I've been really fortunate to be able to do that. The, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point for sure. I think that um, a lot of people um, that I've talked to on the show too, whether it's a, you know, a country singer or a rap artist or a metal band, that kind of idea of wanting to be able to use creativity as, as, the thing that brings in money, the thing that, you know, basically yeah. pays for the rest of your life, uh, the, yeah. the, the other, the non-work stuff, right? It's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, because the number of people who attempt to do that and then the ones who are actually successful, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's so much competition and so many people trying to, to get their voice and, and their work out there that, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what do you think is... um. I mean, country music, obviously Dolphin has the Country Fest. That makes a lot of sense why it's such a big thing out there. But just in Manitoba in general, country is always something that comes up as something that people grow up listening to. What do you think it is about this part of the world that, that country has such an impact? Because, you know, obviously it's got its roots in the southern U.S. And, and there's you go back further, there's all kinds of other things coming in there. But why, why Manitoba? Like, why do we love country so much here? You know, that's a good question. I think... I can't speak on behalf of all. Uh, of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. I, on behalf of you know the way that I grew up, we grew up um, you know always listening to the radio, and there was only one radio station in town. Okay, that makes it, sense. Yeah, it it played mostly country music, and so uh, you know that when. I came from a household, from a family that always had the radio on. From the time that you got up in the morning until the time that you went to bed, um, the radio was playing. And so, you know, you're listening to that same radio station day in and day out, listening only to country music. And I think one of the things that I paid attention to uh, from a very early age was was the stories contained yeah. within, within country music. There really was no... Um, I don't want to say that there was no poeticism, but but the stories are very literal in country music, and there isn't a whole lot of reading between the lines in in in, in 
country music yeah, uh, yeah. in the, that genre specifically. And so, you know, you can read a, the lyrics to a country song and you don't have to make sense of anything. Like it's not like a Dylan song or, you know, where you're kind of reading between the lines and there's a crazy amount of poeticism uh, in, in those lyrics. And so you can literally, it was so easy for me as a young person to visualize from start to finish, you know, what, what that song was about as early as five, six years old. And so, um, you know, I was really, really always drawn to that as a kid. And it's much more relatable that way too, because like you said, there's no parsing, you know, uh, Dylan's a great example of someone that seven people could hear the same song and have completely different, <laughs> completely different versions of, of what they think it's about. Right. But yeah, that, exactly. that, that literal kind of, and it is telling a story. So, so kids can pick up on it too, because there's a start, there's a, there's a middle, there's an end. It, it's linear and it, it for sure it follows the path. Yeah. 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 yeah I, just made sense in my brain. I get that for sure. And I don't think there's an answer to the question I have, but it definitely seems like we have a, a love for that kind of stuff. You know, I know there's so many subgenres of country and different iterations and styles, yeah. but just in Winnipeg, in Manitoba in general, it seems like it's it's always been one of those genres of music that is very kind of um, beloved by, by most of the people here for whatever reason. Maybe it's because we are very, like, even though, you know, Winnipeg, you know, is obviously a big city, but I think in many ways we're still very rural, you know, yeah. like... Even a lot of the folks that work in Winnipeg are living in the outlier bedroom communities of Winnipeg and, and commuting, you know, on a daily basis. And so I think that, you know, if you're going back to your home base, um, you know, which might be in a small town or might be in a bedroom community of Winnipeg, then, you know, you're probably listening to your local radio station, which is probably playing mostly country. <laughs> that, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess the scenery doesn't, doesn't hurt either. Right. Do these long drives yeah. through, through prairies and big skies and stuff. Yeah. That, that, that's often exactly. depicted in, in country from anywhere and it, I, I can, it fits. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're the devil's right hand Take away my breath Make a man feel strong When he's scared to death Hey, Mr. 45 You're behind the barrel And we're terrified You're shooting in the dark Cause you just don't sleep Reload, reload, fire and repeat If I had the master key I swear I would lock you
one of the things that I, I, I'm sick of talking about, you're probably sick of talking about, I think the whole world is sick of talking about, is the impact of the pandemic. Yeah. And I, I feel like I have to bring it up every time I talk to someone, though, because especially in creative jobs, it has had such uh, such an impact. I mean, you know, for quite a long time there, things are opening up now, but there, there were no shows. Touring wasn't an option. Um, even for a lot of people, getting together with bandmates wasn't an option to even rehearse or record or any of that. What has that impact been on you, you know, as a, as a musician, as someone who probably would have loved to be out on the road or, or recording or practicing or whatever during that time. Yeah. Um, at first I was scared shitless. <laughs> um, I had released an album in February of 2020 and I had had this whole marketing plan release plan that I was re- ready to roll out. And, uh, we were actually, my guitar player, um, we were actually out on radio tour when uh, I got a call from my publicist and she said, the stations don't want you in anymore, so um, you might as well just pack up and go home. And we still had about a week left of the tour. And uh, I was kind of in disbelief at first. Like, I thought, okay, this is probably going to wash over in a few weeks. Like, it's not going to, I mean, it sucks that we're leaving. We've we've planned to do this and we've had all these shows lined up and now they're not going to happen. But it's not going to last forever. And <laughs> Little then did you it, know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it did. And you know, a month goes by and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I've, I've invested so much into this project, into this album. What am I going to do? Yeah. So I started reaching out to, you know, as many people as I knew, um, you know, checking in on friends, checking in on fellow artists, you know, seeing how everybody was doing. Um, and in the course of doing that, I think what ended up happening is, is there started to, it was almost like a little network that started to kind of creep out and people would say, Hey, there's this opportunity here for a pre-recorded show. You know, yeah, yeah. everybody, everybody went to the internet. Right. Um, and so I was really, really fortunate that I'd had enough of a network of people who supported me and allowed me to work digitally throughout the pandemic you know and I applied for grants like I applied to do online stuff for grants and so there was a whole bunch of stuff that I was able to do because of my network and because of the grant applications that I'd done um, that allowed me to work throughout the course of the pandemic and hallelujah yeah yeah yeah. so it didn't um, you know and then like it used to be that an album you could get like I don't know, when I first started, you could get two years out of an album. Well, now in the digital age, people are consuming so quickly that that's like gone with the dark ages. Yeah, the time um, span, the, the attention span is just not there anymore. Yeah. Right. So, you know, normally I wouldn't have released a single um, just a year after releasing a full album, but I did. And because I did that, I was able to work when it, when we had that little window of openness. Yeah, there was a month or two. Yeah, yeah. I think it was between July and mid-November, I want to say. And I worked, like we hit the ground running and we worked and worked and worked and worked. Like I I can't even remember how many dates we played between that time frame. But man, like it was go, 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 go and make hay when the sun shines. And um, there was like no stopping. (laughs) I don't know if I had how many days off I had in that time span, but it was crazy. And I was super thankful. But it was because we'd released a single to to give me that extra longevity to allow me to to work in that little window of of uh, opportunity and so yeah just lucky and I and I really do I do I know a lot of people don't say luck exists but I really think that a lot of it was just luck 
Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of artists that work hard and that reach out and that do, you know, do everything that I've just said that I did and didn't have the work. Um, so I, I really do think that a lot of it was just luck. Well, I think also it helps that you're a known quantity, right? I mean, like you said, you've, you've been around the community. You've, you've been performing in Manitoba for as long as you have. People know you. People know your music. And I, I'm sure that helps. I imagine if you were just starting out and that was your first record, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it would be a lot more difficult, a lot more of an uphill battle to even get any shows, uh, let alone, yeah. you know, a, a bunch of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. When you have that happen where you have an album that is, you know, <laughs> a few weeks before the world shuts down... Now that we're into this kind of mode where things are coming back and shows can happen and tours can happen, are you still focused on that album that was supposed to come out in 2020? Or have you completely moved past it? Like, do those songs feel old to you now? Well, listen, I cried, I cried, (laughs) and I cried. (laughs) And at some point, I had to just say, okay, enough. Like, this is enough. This is, it's done, it's over, move on. And so I've, I've moved on and I've accepted that that one was just, it was a it was a freebie. So <laughs> it was a freebie. How has your um your writing changed since this situation? And I don't know if it has, but a lot of people I've talked to have had like, you know, significant sort of uh almost like shifts in their worldview since this whole years of lockdown and it it comes through in their songs. Has that happened to you or are you still are you almost treating things as if that that period of time didn't happen and you're going from that album to now the the next stuff that's a really good question um i first of all i i haven't written as much as i have throughout the pandemic like i was writing almost a song a week they weren't all good songs and some of them won't ever see the light of day but like i was committed to really honing in on my lyricism. Um, I don't play guitar very well. um, So when I'm writing solo, the songs that I'm writing are like very basic, like, you know, D, C, G, A, E minor, F, like just very basic song structures. Um, But I also, you know, one of the things that was really nice is that you could literally write with anybody over Zoom. You know, people that you would have previously had to travel as a a country artist to Nashville to write with. Of course, yeah, Um, yeah. You know, and so that was that was really cool to be able to have access to people that you wouldn't have otherwise had access to unless you were physically in Nashville. Um, but yeah, I did a ton of writing, and actually, I'm looking at releasing um, another album in the country music genre uh, in January of 2023. Um, but I've also got this little Americana project that's been like brewing in my mind, and I, oh, cool. I you know, I I did some of those songs. Um, at the Cinnaboyne where, where you came and saw me and uh, I, you know, I just, they've been sitting in my back pocket for, you know, some of them longer than others, but some of them are relatively new and it's just been, you know, for me, like I said, I always, I fell in love with country music because of the stories and I feel like modern pop country, although the modern pop country artists would maybe disagree with this. I feel like in some ways we've, we've moved away from the, the compellingness of, what I was drawn to um, initially as a country music fan. Yeah, it's glossier. There's, it's, it's more uh, almost like marketing driven rather than storytelling driven. Yeah, and not and to like criticize, you know, what they do. No, but yeah, yeah. No, and not to diminish. I mean, you know, those songs are successful for a reason. I think of course, know, people yeah. are people are really drawn to the, that that style of music, and and I'm drawn to some of it too. You know, um, 
But for me, I just, I love, I love the storytelling component of country music so much. And so I've had this, you know, a few, a few tracks in my back pocket that I've been um, hanging on to, to, you know, eventually release this Americana project. So I'm hoping to dig into that in 2023 as well, with maybe looking at 2024 releasing as well. Cool. you up tomorrow would you pick up the phone if i try to take it faster would you want to take it slow do you think of me and that all of the time girl i'm kind of going crazy just trying to get this right your audience because i mean you know country again like i said before it's such a big umbrella genre right and and there's so many different little uh styles within that umbrella that that 
some some people cover lots of them. Some people are just sort of strictly focused on on, on one subgenre. Where do you place yourself within sort of the the country music uh, world? Like, if you had to p- pigeonhole if I yourself, had to pick. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I would probably definitely say I lean more on the rootsier side of country. Um, I think that. You know, like I'm not, I don't play bars, which is really unusual for a country act. It, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, I just, it's not my thing and it's never really been my thing. Yeah, I did that when I was a teenager. You know, um, I've been playing bars since I was 14, 15 years old, sneaking in probably illegally to, to perform. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that I did that yeah. were illegal. Um, <clears throat> the statute of limitations is over. You're probably good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I did the bar scene very early on and it's just, it's, I'm done. I'm done doing that. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and then a lot of my songs do lean more on the story, storytelling side of the, of the spectrum. And so I think that that's probably more conducive to like, you know, listening audiences and some of the places that I get hired to play are more for, you know, for that, for that style of audience. Yeah. Yeah. Almost Mm -hmm. like the more, um, deeper listening rather than just listening because it's got a good beat and you can dance to it, right? That, that, that idea yeah. of, of taking something in kind of fully. So, okay, maybe a question based on that is then, um, how do you feel about the way music is consumed nowadays in the sense that, you know, no one is listening to a full album from start to finish anymore, unfortunately. I know. And, and like, you know, you kind of have to, you obviously want to marry that deep listening and that, that, that ability to write something that people can focus on with the attention span thing where you sort of know they're going to hit shuffle or they're going to, you know, go on to the next thing 30 seconds in. Like, is there a strategy for, for dealing with that and knowing that your listeners maybe aren't going to take the time that is necessary to, to hear a good story and to really absorb what it is you're putting out there? Yeah. I mean, there might not be an answer to that either. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, that's a tough question. I think, you know, that it is what it is. And on on the one hand, um, I think when people are consuming music, um, live that people are still, you know, and, and then there's also these pockets of like avid music fans that are still hungry for, you know, um, a great story or a compelling melody or a compelling, uh, lyric. And, uh, you know, so every now, you know, when you get to play those songs live, it's it's phenomenal. Um, but I think, you know, if I'm writing for radio, the songs that I'm writing are very different than, you know, the songs that I'm just writing for myself or maybe that I might consider for an Americana project or maybe even for an album track. That makes sense, um, yeah. You know, and I, and I think that when when I go into a, write, a co-write particularly, that's one of the first things that I want if I'm writing for myself, I want to be clear about, you know, this is what I want this song for, you know, or I want this song to have this type of a sound, um, you know, and then if you are writing for uh, a digital release or a radio release, I mean, you're right, people are listening to about 30 seconds, and then they're moving on. So, you know, what, what they do say is, get to the chorus as quickly as you can, <laughs> yeah. get to the hook, get to the hook as quickly as you can, like, gone are the days of having a 20 second intro. For sure, or, yeah. you know, yeah. a 15 second intro, like that's just unheard of nowadays. So, yeah, I mean, I think just being cognizant of all of that when you're in production and or pre-production and making sure that, you know, if if that is your intention mm-hmm. to write for radio or to write for a successful digital release, then, you know, you you want to make sure you're hitting those targets. 
do you know when you start writing a song, does it be, is it clear pretty much from the beginning what type of song it's going to be? Like, do you know when something is going to be a single, when something's going to be more radio oriented or does it just kind of develop itself as you go along? Not from the beginning. No. Like I, when I go into a session, I try, uh, and when I say a session, I mean like a collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I try to be as open-minded as, as I possibly can. Um, like I, I don't want to marry myself to any of my ideas. I don't want to marry myself to any of the lyrics that I'm coming in with or any of the melodies that I'm coming in with. Like I, I really want to go in, um, with the wholehearted intention of collaborating. Okay. And, you know, learning from whoever it is that I'm collaborating with uh, and working with that person to, you know, create the best song possible. And so, um, yeah, so I, I come in with no preconceived notions. I just go in and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if it's somebody that I've worked with before, I think that's a little bit different, though, too. Like, you know, you can say to that person, OK, listen, we've got this, this and this. Uh, for instance, I do a lot of co-writing with uh, Chris Bergaffney, so okay. yeah. and, and he's he's produced my uh, last two records. Um, you know, so if if we know we know what we've got on our album already, I can say, listen, we're missing like a mid-tempo track, or we're missing a a, a, a ballad, or we should throw in one more up-tempo rock country song. Yeah. Um, you know, then we can kind of gear it towards to make it a more well-rounded project. But if it's somebody that I haven't written with before then I try and steer away from that. Okay. Well, fair enough. And I mean, that guy like obviously has a long track record of, of, of writing hits too. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I assume that's someone you can trust to, to know what, um, you know, what direction things should go or to give you the right advice. Uh, yeah, on exactly. That topic. Yeah. Yeah.
drinker, what's one more thought? Do an overthinker, what's one more lie? Do a liar, one can of gasoline on the fire. What's one more sin? What's one more sin? What's one more sin? To a sinner. If people want to hear you, I mean, especially now that shows are happening again and, and, and you can get back out there, what's the best way to find out what you're up to as far as, uh, you know, playing shows, touring, uh, anything going on in the near future? Yeah, well, people can check out my website at DesireeDorian.com. I'm on Instagram at Desiree Dorian, Facebook at Des, D-E-S, Dorian. Um, even on the TikTok these days at The Desiree Dorian. Okay. So pretty yeah. much Googling your name is going to come up with a bunch of those, I'm sure. Exactly. Cool. And, yeah. then, and then hearing your actual music. I mean, I, I assume at this point, because the way the world is with music, you're on all the streaming services and everything like that? You betcha. Cool. And yeah. then uh, do you have uh, one, one, one last question before I let you go about this? Because I, I always think about this when it comes to talking to country artists is country. Weirdly, country and jazz seem to be the two genres where physical media and I, I guess like certain types of punk rock and metal in terms of tapes, but in terms of CDs, country and jazz seem to be these genres where CDs have thankfully like held on as a, as a viable format. And as someone who like, yeah, I'm a Luddite. I listen to physical media only pretty much. I'm always happy to, to see that. But is, are you finding that? Do you find that country audiences are maybe more receptive to actually buying physical product than, than maybe pop or some of these other newer genres or younger genres, I guess. Yeah. I think honestly, it depends on the demographic. Like true. Yeah. Yeah. The older demographics in country music are definitely still wanting physical CDs. Um, but the younger demographics, like the, the, you know, 16 to 36 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. Are straight digital. But, you know, if I'm playing, like, um, I don't want to say this at the risk of, like, <laughs> coming across rude, but if I'm playing an arts council gig, for instance, and, like, it's an older demographic, so that's usually between the ages of, like, 45 to 70. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're generally still wanting a physical CD. Um, the other thing that, that I'm seeing, I haven't done it yet, but the other thing that I'm seeing come back are the vinyls yep. um, with the younger demographic, even in the country music genre. And, um so that's pretty cool. I think that I hope that that sticks around because there's something to be said for, you know, that was one of my favorite things about buying a, a product was yeah. like opening it up and seeing the graphics and seeing, you know, how the packaging was all put together and the branding and, um, and you the get the lyrics and, and the credits and everything yeah. and all this important information about. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and the photos that the artist used and who they thanked and what was important to them. And you could actually follow along with the, you know, like you said, with the lyrics to the song. And so I, I hope that sticks around because, yeah. I, I do too. Yeah. I mean, as someone who listens pretty much exclusively to physical records, that's still one of the main ways I find new artists is by looking at the thank yous. And if there's some band I've never heard of or looking at a songwriting credit, and if it's someone I don't know, it's not one of the main writers in the band. It's like, oh, well, who's this? And now yeah. you can just Google them and find out what their band is and they might be amazing too. And so there's, yeah, there's, there's benefit to the old ways, I think. And like, I, I like to <laughs> argue on that behalf every time I have a chance to because I'm I'm stuck in the past. But yeah, no, it's... it's it... <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, right on, right on. <laughs> Sometimes I drink, get a buzzing in my brain, I don't want to complain, but I'm going insane. 
a glass of wine on Friday night at the lonesome high. Forget about the bills and chill. Forget about everything. It's been all uphill. I don't do this all the time. I just need this tonight. Well, I might get it wrong, but I'm just trying to get it right. Yeah.